0: This is Cole Publum. We're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, the off-season is in full swing.
1: We got a new manager. Oh, welcome to the
0: big chair, Mike Schiltz welcome to the big chair Mike Schilt big shoes to fill well I don't know maybe maybe not maybe some maybe a low bar um I you know obviously today the Padres announced that Mike Schilt was uh the next manager for the San Diego Padres uh I was at work and it was a slow day so I was able to watch the presser I I got the information pretty quickly uh on on Twitter um it was very anticlimactic I think for me for me at least it was um but I'm stoked that they went with uh, with someone with managerial experience. I know it's a safe bet, it's a sure bet, um, and we didn't have to suffer through another manager. You know, even if it would have been like a, a Benji Gill that you know hasn't managed in the majors before, what this team needs is a proven manager that has managed and won in at the major league level
1: right and i like the continuity that you're keeping somebody from within the org because it's not like you're blowing up the team um and so keeping him uh keeping ruben Niebla, um you know some other familiar faces i I think it's important that because at the end of the season these guys were winning they all of a sudden found something so you want to try to keep whatever good vibes whatever was working you want to try to keep that part of the the clubhouse culture intact um and so i i love the hiring i That's so I thought it was going to be pretty much all along. Yeah. You talk to other people, but he's with, he's in the org. Apparently he's got a great relationship with a bunch of the players already on the team. So
0: I love it. And that's huge. The, the, the comfortability of, of players with their manager, not someone new coming in, someone that is familiar with the, with them as players and as people. And also is familiar with the, the minor league system. So a lot of the guys, he mentioned Graham Pauly, he mentioned Jacob Marcy, um, Uh, iriarte he mentioned um during the press conference today so those guys should be you know hopefully in the next two years it's only a two-year deal so
1: (laughs) yeah it's like it's like an audition because you know two-year contracts for managers is really like a one year (laughs) right right they'll write that second year off real quick
0: right and and there's it's only you know the the team could only screw it up for him i I really think there's you know at the end of the day the managers effect on the team is uh really in the bullpen like as in like game day situations i don't think a lineup has that much difference to do with it as long as the players are happy with where they are in the lineup but really it's a bullpen and and, and stuff like that that even even then you know they have to perform
1: Right. Now, one of the things that I liked about Bob Melvin, at least what I'd heard, was how he communicates with the players. He explains to them, okay, you're going to sit today. You might come in later in the game, but we're going to sit you because of this. You're going to play tomorrow because of that. You're going to be in this position. You're going to be hitting this spot of the order. And here's why. And get, because that helped get the players buy in rather than they're just kind of, you know, in the dark and they show up and like, oh, well, why am I batting seventh? I was batting third yesterday. Like you gotta under understand and be able to communicate that stuff with people. Uh, but it sounds like Mike Schilt has a lot of that same kind of of, of uh intuition and and feel
0: with the players uh that Bob Melvin did. Yeah, well he's done it before. And one of the questions that he had during the pressure was um, you know, it was about old school and new school. And he talked about old school. He's like, if you're old school, you're 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 in a dead end job, like you're you're on your way out. And I want to do whatever it takes for this team to win. Uh, I need the tools to be successful with this team and which I found was really nice. Cause he did kind of nod to the old school. He's like a, a little bit, but the idea of like, go on field, go on just how you, the guy hit in the batting practice today, or, you know, this is the way we've always done it. And not looking at the matchups, not looking up. Hey, when this guy comes in later on at the bullpen, this guy needs to be out of the lineup and this guy needs to be in. And that kind of the matchups that the analytics give you, um, makes a team and it gives you the information that you need to win, I think.
1: You know, there was something that came out. I think there was a Max Scherzer interview and he was talking about what it's like playing for Chris Young, you know, former player GM and, and all of this. And, and there was a quote in there that, that kind of went against the tide of analytics, you know, the old school hard nose kind of thing, but. There's a balance. There's got to be a balance in there because the smart teams that make it through the season, you know, racking up the wins, they're the ones that are smart analytically. And the Rangers, okay, Bruce Bochi's old school manager. You've got former player Chris Young as a GM, but they still have a strong analytics team. Yeah. I'm sure they're doing their homework and they've got all that information. It's just a matter of what information do you provide? How do you communicate it? And how do you deploy it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Scherzer is just... You know going into the pitchers meeting going okay i can do this this is what i'm doing they're giving them the information on what's working what's not working what works against guys like there's no you know the old school the idea that Bochi is truly old school i i think those guys have gone by the way by the wayside because they're going to give be given information um you know we talked about this with um when we talk to Marcus Castagnon with like, they get all the information on what the pitcher throws, how, you know, the last few bats at bats with against that pitcher, they get the information at the minor league level. And you know, those guys at the major league level are, are, are using it, um, you know, but I'm sure there is some like, Hey, I just, you know, like the way uh, so-and-so was hitting in the cages the past few days, or, you know, he seemed to be, you know, turning things around with things that he was working on that kind of old school mentality i'm sure it gets used but there's that balance that like everyone uses the information given to them for sure for
1: sure yeah uh before we get too carried away we have an interview that we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna kick it to <laughs> after we're done talking about the uh, the big league stuff uh today's more of a, a big league show because there have been a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of transactions a lot of stuff going on the new manager and all the non-tenders and all this uh but we interviewed cole Paplam, padres uh p- pitching prospect uh reliever who was a uh, non-drafted free agent in 2022 made his debut last year but this year had a really strong season finished the year in the Arizona Fall League uh we got to help entertain him on his final hour of his drive back up to Wisconsin um <laughs> uh, but a, a really good interview with a good guy so stick around after we're done yapping about big league stuff uh we've got Cole Paplin for you
0: absolutely so let's get with it. So Schilt, you know, managed the Cardinals to the playoffs in 2019, 2020, 2021, and he was 20, 252 and 199 over three and a half seasons. That's a 559 winning percentage. It's seventh all time among those who have managed at least 300 big league games. Uh, he was named National League Manager of the Year in 2019. She'll begins. I like this. She'll begin his career as a scout before spending three seasons as a coach and then eight seasons as a manager in the Cardinals organization. So he does, he has minor league experience. He has minor league uh, managing experience, obviously in the major league. So he knows how to, you know, he knows how to manage all throughout the system. Right. It's interesting that he never played professional
1: ball. Yeah. That's a little bit rare, but then you've got Brian Snitker, who I think is the same kind of story over in, uh, in Atlanta, who's doing pretty darn well for himself. Um, So it's like, okay, have you walked the walk? Well, He's been doing his job one form or another for the last 30 years. Um, well, at least since 2009, he was managing the Johnson City Cardinals. Uh, but he was with the Cardinals organization going back to, what, 1999, I think? Mm. No, 2000, 2004, he became a scout for the Cardinals. Um, so he's been in baseball a long time. Um, yeah, and I don't know that anybody can really look around and say, well, he doesn't know what he's doing because he hasn't done it. Like, No, he's he's done it. Uh, And I love, so too much. Morton's on Twitter has posted some motivational speeches that Schilt gave to his his Cardinals teams back in the day. And I love that kind of stuff. Not that you need the win one for the Gipper talk every time, but, you know, you need a manager that can go in there and blast some MFers around and, you know, wake some guys up every once in a while. And at the same time, when things are going good, you want the guy that can go in there and like, you know, fire everybody up for the celebration. So I love that he's in the middle of that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> let's effing go san diego that's what i want to hear from him um you know it's funny you guys um bookmark bookmark what uh what roy just said in brian Snickter. his name will be coming up later on when we talk to cole Paplam. it's kind of interesting um, oh that's right <laughs> one of the things that i thought of and kind of a crazy thought was taking um you know taking welly out of aaa and bring him into the complex right that's an interesting now, move i don't know if we've talked about that we so, we have we have a little bit but what i'm thinking of and this is maybe just me being spitballing and crazy could he be in line for a position on on the bench could he be in line for a position in the
1: coaching staff that's an interesting thought i mean he's he's been managing at some level for what 30 years now he's been doing it forever uh respected all throughout baseball um you know at at what point do you does does the guy kind of finally say okay i'm ready for my this does he want it that's that's one thing yeah I've, i've got to wonder that over all these years that he's had opportunities
0: come around at least at some point right yeah, I, The only thing I have to say about that is when he did have, have his presser with El Paso, he said it was about time when he coached a triple A AAA team. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he kind of intimated that like it's been a long time that he's been wanting to coach, you know, up the ranks for a long time. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, every manager does have, uh, if a minor league manager does have manager, a uh, major league uh, aspirations, I, I would think they would, Um I think it would be great to have him as a bench coach, as a you know one of those I don't know op- operations guys or coaches or whatever they now they're calling um, offensive Quality coordinator, control. yeah, something like that. You know, something yeah, to get, all that kind of stuff. Something to get that experience around major league players, I, I think, is valuable to the major league guys um, and valuable to the organization. That's my opinion. That's what I was thinking.
1: So Philip Wellman, his managing career started in 1992 with the rookie-level Orioles of the Gulf Coast League, and then since 1999, pretty much all the way up to 2022, he was a manager at the double-A level. AA, yeah. I mean, at some point, that's got to be like Groundhog Day, like, yeah. oh, well, I guess I'm going back to double-A. Oh, well, I'm no longer with Atlanta. Well, the Angels, they'll hire me. Oh, where am I going? Oh, you're going to double-A.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: <laughs> okay. Done with the Angels. Oh, the Padres. Oh, where am I going to go? Double A.
0: Yeah. So this is uh so moving on with the with the Mike Shield. Here's the quote from AJ Preller. Mike is a proven winner as a manager at the major league level, and he brings over two decades of experience in professional baseball to the position. Preller, the president of Padres Baseball Operations, said in a statement. In this time here, Mike has displayed a strong baseball intellect, a passion for teaching the game, and has established relationships with players and staff at both the minor league and major league levels. We believe that Mike is the right person to lead the Padres forward in our continued pursuit of a World Series championship.
1: Good job, AJ Puller, for writing a
0: press release. <laughs> and it being coherent. And, you know, I really felt that today, like I listened to the whole presser, man. I was able to listen to the whole thing. He was asked questions, and I believe... Like, I don't know what happened, but he sounded legible. He sounded coherent. I could understand everything he said and everything he said was pertinent and wasn't so much word as that it has been in the past, I think. Well, in this case, he's
1: talking about something that just happened. You know, yeah. so there's not a whole lot of speculation <laughs> that he has to dance around. Um, I didn't listen to the press conference. I I, I wish I had the opportunity to, but I was at work. Uh I'm curious to know what kind of questions were asked later on, you know, cause first you get the softball questions from certain, right. but once it gets back to the Marty Caswells and the Bernie sand, uh, Bernie Wilson's and those guys, they start asking things a little more pointed with a little bit more of an edge. And he, he starts to have to shuffle a little bit when those questions come around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like about the old school versus new school thing and, and how long are you guys going to get together before we start hearing about, uh, meddling or or <laughs> text messages at three o'clock in the morning, you know.
0: Well, Marty was at, Marty's in Japan, and I, I think uh, Bernie was there, but he didn't ask too many questions. Um, th- what what they did start? They started out with, you know, obviously Darnacella was the master of ceremonies, if you want to call it that. He did have a brief statement about uh, Peter Seidler, and there was a moment of silence, and then when they kicked it over to AJ, um, you know, he introduced. First, he had something to say about Peter Seidler and he started getting choked up like a couple times during his statement about Peter, about Mike. um, He started choking up and for a second there, I thought he was going to lose it. Like he almost lost it. And I was, I was taken, I was taken aback by it. I was like, it, it got me kind of emotional, just I was someone that, you know, whenever you hear Preller, it's it's so monotone. It's so one track mind. It's so much um, you know, so much word salad, you know, he kind of takes the emotion out of any inflection when he speaks. Um, but to hear him kind of just kind of almost, like I just started kind of choking up a little bit. Um, it really made me feel like it It, it really touched me and it really touched a lot of the fans because I saw a lot of that on Twitter as well. Well, the, the thing that
1: I've heard most about Peter Seidler since his passing is that He genuinely cared about the people in his life, that if you were around him for any period of time, he formed a a bond, he formed a relationship with the people. So there aren't these, you know, oftentimes we have people in our lives and it's just a transactional kind of an interaction that we have. Um, And it sounds like that's not how Peter Seidler was wired. So he and Preller have worked closely together since I mean, going back to 2015 when Preller came in, um, I know Seidler wasn't the point man for the ownership group at the time, but he's been involved this whole time. It's so, yeah. I'm I'm not surprised to hear that, but I yeah. guess it is surprising to hear Pre- Preller kind of break character from what yeah. we're used to hearing.
0: Absolutely. And then when uh, you know when it was Mike's turn to talk, he started off with uh, talking about Peter Seidler and what a genuine person he was, and when he first came onto the organization. Um, Peter said, Hey, you know, I'd like to take, uh, you know, some time once a month to meet with you and, and talk. And Mike's like, okay. Yeah. So I figured, you know, once a month, I'd he'd find 10 minutes for me and we would talk for about 10 minutes and it turned into, you know, hour, hour and a half of just talking about baseball, talking about life, talking about family. And, um, it was really interesting to hear him say that. And it's just, you know, one of the I guess you want to say a book end or you know, kind of closing the chapter with the new manager and moving on with uh Peter Seidler or the death of Peter Seidler, and just hearing that from both AJ and, and Mike shield was uh once again was very touching. Right. Now on that note, um, since last time we
1: spoke, uh the Padres announced that Eric Kutsenda, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, is yeah. the the interim control person and chairman. Uh, acting chairman as the for the Padres ownership right now. Um, my understanding is that Peter Seidler's portion of the Padres ownership was transferred into a trust, um, and the intent and he, and he said this he wants his family to own the Padres for generations, for decades to come. Um, so I, I don't think there's an an imminent risk of anything like that changing. It's just a matter of the the voice at the top has changed. And we yeah. can only hope that uh Eric Kutsenda continues on the same path with the same kind of ambition, the same aggression, or not aggression, but the same uh, enthusiasm yeah. that Peter Seidler has always had. Um yeah. so it I <laughs> It's a weird time. You know, yeah. you've got a, a change at the very top. You've got a change in the manager. Uh, we're going to see some other changes in the coaching staff. We have yet to hear who's going to be the third base coach, the bench coach. Um, I understand Ryan Flaherty's under contract still, but his is his role going to stay the same? Uh, we did hear that Ben Fritz is coming back as bullpen coach. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he interviewed with the Angels for their pitching coach position, and we already knew that Ruben Diablo was coming back. So I love that there's some continuity right there.
0: Absolutely. um, You know, to kind of give you my thoughts on, what's his name again? Kutsenda, Kutsenda, Katsenda. I, I really need to hear that guy talk. The picture that they have of him is this huge, he has gigantic smile, dude. It's it just, <laughs> it, it, it's a huge mouth. And uh, it's a little awkward, you know, I'm sorry about this, Craig, uh, if you're listening to this, it's just a little, he just looks a little bit odd, um, you know, but that's just a photograph of a guy, I watch him talk, you know, and just be eloquent and passionate and, um, but I need to hear from that guy just, just to kind of hear his voice and put that, you know, this one picture that scene of him out of my mind. You know that's a good point because that's really all I know about him is a couple of pictures, and I don't think we even have an audio clip from the guy yet. No, not yet. Um, and that's fine. That's that's to come in the future. But uh, yeah, just um, I'm excited that there's going to be continuity with with coaching staff, and that you know, you know, they t- they talk about the 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 goal of going to the World Series, and I don't think they're going to go spending tons and tons of money uh, even after this season. Um, you know, I'm thinking they're going to keep payroll under control, um, but I think they're going to do it wisely and hopefully, um, you know, bring the pieces that are going to take us to the promised land.
1: Well, speaking of such pieces, there were some transactions recently that is going to make that task even taller uh, right. because uh, the roster is looking fairly bare right now. Okay. So we had, we have a, we have a trade yes. The off season. The hot stove is on. So the Padres traded Scott Barlow to the Guardians for Eniel De Los Santos. So Scott Barlow uh, is in his final year of arbitration. He's projected to make $7.1 million. De Los Santos is in his first year of arbitration, which means the Padres have him for three years. Uh, he's projected at $1.2 million this year. Uh, it's a one-for-one trade, reliever for reliever, righty for righty. Uh, but you're saving some money this year, and you've got a guy that's under control for a couple of years. Uh, what do you think of that deal? Well, I, I think Enyel De Los Santos was traded right before or right when we started doing this podcast. Right, he was traded for Freddie Galvis, and that was yeah. a that was kind of a a, a galvanizing <laughs> trade. A lot of people hated it. Uh, it it was for the first time in like a decade we had a competent shortstop because before that we had the endless stream of just awful right there. Uh, but people were high on De Los Santos.
0: He was a starting pitching prospect at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was in double A when, when we traded him and then went on and, and didn't do that. Well, it kind of struggled for, I think for a while and came up after a few years and made some starts. Uh, the numbers I saw recently are a lot better looking. Um, but you know, I remember just kind of following him after that going, okay, it wasn't that bad of a trade. I mean, Galvis wasn't exactly a barn burner, but for what it was and, and who we got, I think it was a, it was a good enough trade. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you that you've got somebody that's under control. It's a little bit cheaper. Um, and who knows what the, and the Padres have a knack for taking somebody and finding that, you know, finding that little tweak and turning him into something special. So if he can become a reliable back end piece, maybe even they mentioned something about closing that he's going to be a candidate for that at some point. Yep. I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay. So, the non-tender deadline that happened on November 17th, which was also the non-tender deadline and the Padres non-tendered catcher, Austin Nola left-handed pitcher, Tim Hill outfielder, Taylor Colway and right-handed pitcher, Jose Espada. Um I I wasn't surprised by any of these, but I'm sure each one of them was a tough decision in its own right.
0: Yeah. It's funny how, you know, even, even Grisham, you know, with, with the two st- continuous years of, of poor performance at the plate are up for a, a raise and like in a significant raise, like Austin coming into this season, having, you know, played none at all last year, still in, in role for, you know, in line for a raise. And, you know, they're saving 2 million with him. They're saving 2 million with Tim Hill. Um And there are a ton of starting pitchers, of varying degrees of price and quality, that I think they're really just trying to cut money so they can maximize what little roster space and what little revenue they can use to uh to to kind of put this team together. Because there's going to be a lot of magic, a lot of magic is going to have to happen for this team to be, um, you know, for us to feel that, you know, at least on the pitching side that that it's playoff worthy.
1: Oh right, yeah. I was taking a look the other day. Um, I mean, you've got you got Musgrove and Darvish. And then after that, who are your starting pitchers? And then similarly in the bullpen, you've got Suarez, uh, what Suarez, Cosgrove, De Los Santos and Steven Wilson. And then after that, it's Ray Kerr, Alec Jacob, Adrian Morajone, Glenn Otto. I mean, not to knock any one of those individuals, but you can't look at that and go, okay, yeah, that's a solid bullpen to, to build off of. No, they've got to find three starting pitchers, um, at least four, you know, decent relievers to, to plug in there. Um, and then who's going to be your closer? They've got a lot of work to do yeah. uh, with really no room in the budget to, to get it done. So that's going to be interesting. So you mentioned Grisham. Uh, Grisham is projected to make about four, about $4.9 million. According to MLB trade rumors, they're pretty good at, at projecting arbitration yeah. salaries. So, but. It was somebody, somebody spoke to a team source. I can't remember who quoted this, uh, but they said that they felt that he was valuable as a trade asset. Um, you know, if he, he may stay with the team, but it sounds like they're
0: really going to try to move him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. The, the glove is where the value is. And a lot of teams need a center fielder that can, you know, take a flyer on the bat and maybe he can train, you know, what, you know, Sarah said when we talked to him a couple of years ago on gression was maybe you can something you can train to change in the off season to bring that back that back back but the glove is definitely there and you know to kind of talk about the bullpen for a second you know how many years in a row have we said this if Jim Morho needs to step it up like he absolutely needs to step it up or I see easily a non tender or even one of those guys that's going to be on the you know it's just dead weight when that kid had so much promise.
1: Yeah. He's making, I think this is his first year of arbitration. He's making 900 grand this year. So it's a very modest raise uh, from the the league minimum, but yeah, one more year of, of, of uh, service time and that's going to go up, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's put up or shut up time with him. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad after they spent all that money to get him in the first place. And then all the patience that they've had waiting for him to, to, to figure it out and, and, you know, put it all together and he still hasn't. So I don't know. So I'm a little sad to see Taylor Colway, uh, was non-tendered. He yeah. still may I mean all these guys may still come back on some form of a, you know, they're all looking for work. So yeah, if, if, if it's, if it fits, they may come back on a minor league deal or even on a, a major league deal at a lower rate. Who knows? Uh, but Colway, I mean, he's a lefty hitter, which is nice plays outfield, plays some first base. Doesn't bring a ton of power, and what opportunities he had in the majors, he didn't hit all that well. Right. Um. You know, I'd like to think that he's a better hitter than what he showed in the limited time last year. Uh. But really, if you're going to put somebody in a corner in a, in an outfield corner, they need to have some pop. And yeah. I, I don't know if Colway really has that. And then yeah. Espada, Espada was a nice story. Yeah. He, yeah. In, independent league made his way all the back to, all the way back to the majors. Um. He might get a job somewhere. You know, I'm sure he'll get a job as a pro somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a
0: major league gig, but, you know, who knows? You know, a guy like Taylor Colway could be could be used going to the KBO or even the Japanese League, like the NPV. Yeah, I could see that.
1: Yeah, there have been, what was it, Jamie Jamie Romack that left the Padres and went to to Korea and wound up having a nice long career over there. Yeah. Um had Jab- barry blash went and played in japan and became a <laughs> bit of a legend over there uh you never know you know i mean wherever whoever's willing to pay you some money to play ball and and whatever fits your your lifestyle uh, you know, a lot of people make good money going over there um uh, yeah. versus the life of a of a, even a triple a player
0: yeah absolutely but moving on jeff um the body's claimed right-handed pitcher logan gillespie off waivers from the red sox yeah 4.1 ARN, 26 in the third innings with the Orioles of the last two seasons, 18 strikeouts and eight walks. You know, one of those guys just in this is the time of year when this stuff happens, when we pick up guys off the waiver wire um, to fill the AAA, and they're all lottery picks. It's all depth. And one of those guys, two of those guys usually hit for almost every organization. So you just you fill up your AAA and double A and see what kind of shakes out.
1: Yeah, I like that he's got a little bit of major league experience. He still has one minor league option year remaining. Um, he can do the the middle, the long relief kind of thing, if if that's the role that he winds up finding. Um, so you never know. Throw something up at the wall and see what sticks. Absolutely. So we got some minor league transactions too, but I'll save that for next time because uh, we've done enough talking about
0: major league stuff. We've got an interview to kick it to. Absolutely. Cole Paplin was on his way home. Uh, you guys enjoyed the interview uh he chose the music that we're going into this interview with in men at work uh and speaking you know we, it was going to be our opener but with uh with Mike shield being the manager we went with papa needs he got a brand new bag um but men at work and men are at work and here's Cole
1: women and
0: Cole Poplam was signed as an undrafted free agent in two thousand twenty-two. In two thousand twenty-three, he started in Lake Elsinore and finished the season in double-A San Antonio. He had 36 strikeouts in 30 innings, earning him a trip to the Arizona Fall League where he helped the Peoria Javelinas make it to the championship game. And he joins us now. Welcome, Cole Poplam. Appreciate you guys having me on. So you're on the way, so you're on the road right now. Are you hopefully you're not going to be distracted by talking to us you're obviously not on nah. video so you have your rise on the road
2: oh yeah we're good we say we're just driving home we got the last hour hour 15 stretch here so we're just kind of on the interstate right now heading back from uh, chicago
1: all right we'll you're going to spend off- your uh, your winter back there in nah. wisconsin
2: yep it is it's uh it's not snowing quite yet but uh there's been a couple snowfalls actually i was kind of looking forward to it because i know a lot of people tell me like why I always look forward to going home is a nice little, nice little weather change. I personally don't mind it. It's kind of nice. It's a little switch-up weather. I've been in warm weather the whole year. So, for me, it's nothing really nothing really that bothers me.
0: Oh, you're going to fit right in in Fort Wayne.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me. I know. I know. I didn't get to deal with that at the beginning of the year. So, I was kind of I was of this disappointed, But I had to deal with that my whole entire high school career. Because that's always 30s, 40s, 50s sometimes. it'd get down. I remember one time, one of our high school games, it was really snowing. I'm like, there's no way right now.
0: Oh, and that, God, that's just that's just a nightmare for me. I'm born and raised in Southern California kid. I'm allergic to snow by birthright, man. There's just no way around it.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I love it. There's a lot of stuff to do. Oh, oh no, Wisconsin, especially with snow. There's a lot of stuff be, that's always going on. So
0: Okay. Well, hey, you're you are you you're generally unknown. Let's hear let's hear, first off, let's hear what you got. What's your arsenal?
2: Uh right now it's just fastball and Slider. I've been adding like a two seam in there as well, just for a different type of movement. But it's pretty much just been mainly four seam fastball and a white a sweeping slider.
1: Has that you- changed as the season's gone by? Have they recommended you throw something more, or if you have you messed with grips or anything like that?
2: Uh, not really. It's kind of like I kind of tinkered to my slider grip a little more towards the beginning of the season, but I th- ended up working out my favor. But other than that, I kind of like tinkered maybe a little fastball, just different type of grips and holding my hand. I feel like throughout the year, because I was trying to get used to like my fastball command, that was my only like, kind of problem at the beginning of the year. I feel like I got a lot better towards the end, hence the reason why I kind of moved up. But I feel like throughout the year, that was kind of my main focus, just working on fastball command. I think some grips kind of helped me with that.
0: Dude, it's been a long season for you. How how fun was the Arizona Fall League?
2: Honestly, it was a it was a good experience. I got to meet a lot of new guys from different orgs. Um, I met a guy who was actually at new or- not at New Orleans, but he was there before me. Hayden Herb, I got to meet him for the first time after uh, he left New Orleans. I got to talk to him again, reunite with him. So it's kind of just new, kind of cool just to meet up with some guys and meet some new people. And then just honestly, the coaching staff was cool too. They're all really chill. It was just a good experience in general to be there.
0: Go ahead. Oh, no, you could take it, well, Donovan. Hey, well, hey. um, a lot of guys talk about learning from other players and other coaches. Did you, whose brain did you pick? And did you kind of learn anything? Do you guys bounce other ideas off of? Because other organizations have other philosophies, other mindsets. Um, what did you learn from those guys?
2: Um, it was kind of like I would pick some people's brains, like more of a pitching coach that we had um, at the time. He's with the Guardians. Um, he, I kind of talked to him a little bit here and there, just bought some stuff. It was more just the mental side of the game and kind of just learning the game a little bit, a little more. I feel like it's one thing I'm gonna kind of focus on more in the off season. kind of learn more a little more about the game, especially as move up. It's a lot more talented as you can see. Um, But I feel like for me, it kind of just picked other people's brains. Like there's different philosophies that, you, as you said, from other orgs. Kind of see what they do differently than what we do, and I feel like I kind of benefited off that a little bit. But I also kind of stay true to what I've been doing too. I feel like it's kind of the main thing. So it's got me this far. Why not? Why change it?
1: I and mean, you've only had one year as a pro. So it's like, you're, you're still learning what the Padre system is. <laughs>
2: no, exactly. That's the thing. I'm, I'm still learning what they're trying to enforce to us. It's been, it's been a good ride so far. I've been, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been really fun meeting the guys in the order, but yeah, it's been definitely really fun.
1: All right. So yeah. you're driving back home back now. You grew up in, in Denmark, Wisconsin. I looked it up on the map. It doesn't look like a, like a big town. Is that farm country out there?
2: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, I live all in the country. It's like 10, 15 minutes away from, uh, my high school where i went so it's out. it's little i'm in like a little suburb area or not suburb little neighborhood i live in but i live out there it's nice and peaceful out there for the most part though i like it
1: so is your is your winter training regimen going to resemble that that epic montage scene in rocky four where he's out in the middle of siberia training in the snow
2: <laughs> <laughs> no i wish so actually uh you say like, we have so i got like a hot tub we go in the hot tub i'll do some like some contrast and like believe it or not I go lay on the snow sometimes If we got some snow out there. I us go lay on the snow for the cold, for the cold top effect. Uh, so I got, I got everything right there.
0: That is epic. So, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, <laughs> you've played, you, you've you already answered the question. You've played in snow. Um, do you guys play through it or do you, I mean, is it too cold or is it, you know, does it get, do you guys slide? Does it slip or how is it playing in snow?
2: I don't know. It was, it was definitely weird. Cause I remember it, I was hitting at the time. I wasn't even pitching. I just remember getting up to the up to the up to the play. I was like, "Dude, how am I supposed to see the ball right now?" Like, I, it's hard to see, but it, it was definitely an experience. It came down for like 15, 20 minutes, and then went away. But it was still some type of experience just to be in the game and experience snow coming down. It was like that's just yeah. something I never really experienced before.
0: Uh, I played I played a tournament up a little little north of here in in a winter in a winter tournament, and it was a it was thirty two degrees, high winds. I ended up getting like windburn from the cold wind blowing on my face. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're out in the, you're out there in, in the woods there. Uh, do you hunt or fish or?
2: Oh yeah. I love, I'll see this weekend's opening weekend for hunting. So I'll be out there this weekend hunting. This will nice. be the only time you go. And then like during the season, I try to go fishing a little bit, but I, also, I don't, I didn't have my car out here to begin with. So I didn't have anything fishing wise. So next year when I go back out to wherever we go, I'm going to have a fishing pole for the off day.
1: Yeah, that season's opening up. I've seen a couple of guys post, uh, post pictures of them with deer already. Yeah.
2: Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, I don't know where they're opening up. I just I know in Wisconsin, Illinois, it's this weekend for gun hunting.
1: So you must've grown up a Packers and Brewers fan, right? Uh, you are correct. Uh yeah. So <laughs> who was, who was a big influence around you? Like growing up? Was it, did you have a family that, that played a lot of baseball or was there somebody that really encouraged you when you were young?
2: Um. Honestly, growing up, I know my dad played a little bit in, in uh, back in the day. He played it a little bit more, just was just kind of like slow pitch, fast pitch, and whatnot. I played a little bit of that. But my grandpa, uh, he kind of got me into it a little more because he played a lot of that growing up. He loved the game. I kind of felt I didn't honestly get to watch for or anything, but like obviously passing on our family, kind of to some of my siblings and uh my dad, I think going at those games and watching kind of just pushed me in that direction of wanting to play baseball. And I've been playing it since seven, eight years old. So I've been playing for a while. So I just I kinda grew up loving loving the game and love playing it, and I kind of think once I got to high school, I kind of realized I wanted to play Division One ball, and that's kind of the path I went with that. Then.
0: Well, that kind of brings us into our next question: How did coming? You know, you're up there in Wisconsin. How did going to University of New Orleans? How did that come about?
2: Um, honestly, I went to uh, JUCO for three years um, in uh, Illinois. I well, was kind of mentioning before um, I played at Lakeland College in Mattoon, Illinois. Um, played there for three years. I was going to go there for two, and then the second year COVID hit. So I was sitting in a lake when I had a decision to make if I wanted to go to school, but I just wasn't ready to go yet. So I felt like, and that I feel like the biggest thing for me I benefited off COVID was kind of start taking training regiments a lot more serious, eating a lot more better, just a lot better in general. And I think me and a couple of guys, I had like a uh, weight rack down my basement because so all the gyms are closed, and I had like I have like a pretty bad pretty big backyard for the most part. And we just me and my buddies go out there and throw every day. go lift and kind of just repeat the process every day, and then go out and finish after. And that's pretty much all we could really do. So I think that's kind of where I came with that. And then after I got done my COVID, I went back to my third year school at Lakeland, and I ended up committing to New Orleans that way. Then in the end of the fall. All
1: right. So I just pulled up Lakeland College, uh, and I've, I've I'm looking at their uh, alumni uh, that have played pro ball. Could, do you are you aware? Do you know of any? Uh, Former Lakeland College guys that wound up playing pro.
2: I'm not aware on top of my head. No, I know they they're, they, they mentioned up a couple because I talked. I just I I just talked to the AD recently too. Met up with him yesterday, so it's kind of close to read re- I was in. But I really don't know if any on top of my head.
1: The the most notable name on this list is Gary Gaetti. Quite a bit before your time, but uh, as, as growing up, uh, he was a good player yeah. for a long time. Played 20 years in the bigs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's doing something right. He was summer playing for twenty years.
1: He looks like Baba Booey from uh from the Howard Stern show. <laughs> now that I pull up the picture with his mustache, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Baba Booey, Baba Booey.
1: Uh, hey, boy. so you,
0: so then after the University of New Orleans, you um, you played in the draft league. I did. That would did did Homer uh, Senior play? Was your was he your manager there?
2: Yeah, he was my manager for that for that summer. He was because I talked to Homer about it already too. Uh, the Homer Bush, the younger, younger fella. Yeah. So how does, how does that wind up like happening?
1: He, how do you get the opportunity to play in that league?
2: Um, my agent, and um, I think he ended up reaching out. to one of the, he knew one of the guys, um, that was the director of the league at the time. And I ended up getting there. I want to say in December, I want to say before I went home or right after I went home, they got me in the league, for the draft league. I was like, yeah. And I was kind of on the edge of playing still, because I didn't know I had to go to a bunch of uh, draft showcases. Or draft trials or workouts. I had to go do that for a bit. And I didn't I went to like four or five of them. I didn't think I'd be playing in a in the draft week for a bit. So I ended up not showing sure up there till about the end of June. And the draft is like July fourteenth, fifteenth area. It was around that area at the time last year. Or when I was in twenty two. But I ended up playing there for two and a half weeks or so. They had a bunch of scheduled scheduled innings for us. So was, that's
1: kinda how it worked. For the Mahoning Valley scrappers. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Indeed. That's, it was a good place. It was a good time. I, I know I played against uh, one of my former teammates in the fall league. It was uh, Zach DiCenzo. All right. All right. I put put against him in, uh, when we went to Mesa. So that was a good experience Just got to kind of see him again, see how he's doing.
1: All right. So since you're driving and you've got the camera turned off, we're looking at your avatar and you're swinging a bat here. Yeah. Uh, before you were a full-time <laughs> pitcher, uh, what, what was your position and were you, were you a good hitter? I'd say I was – I'm not going to say I was great
2: or, like, really good, but I'd say I hit the ball pretty well. I wouldn't say I was anything special, but I knew my, my future was going to be within pitching, so I kind of knew that with the, once I got to travel ball. But I hit a little bit here and there, more my 16-year year, but once I got to my 17-year year, they kind of had me more go more to the pitching side of things. So I was kind of just relieving, being a reliever at the time. So it was – I'd go play the field here and there, but it was very limited. Right, In- infield but- or outfield? <laughs> Uh, I was an infielder. I played shortstop.
1: All right. So, so. do you ever uh, during the season? Did you ever go out just to get loose and go take some grounders? Uh, a little
2: bit, a little bit here
1: and there. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep it fresh. Gotta have some fun. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta,
2: gotta have some fun with it sometimes. Can't. I, you I always, remember, can't just be pitching all the time.
1: I remember hearing that Mariano Rivera would have been the best center fielder on the Yankees for most of his career. He was out there shagging fly balls and making some highlight real catches.
2: I love that. I mean I'd be doing the same thing at BP, trying to say if once the outfielders out there out there and they're shit they're not shagging, I'm trying to get some reps in, trying to get some uh get some reads, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, it, it, whatever you makes you got it got valuable.
2: Exactly. Got, got got stay athletic here.
0: Hey, who's some right. of the brewer guys that you uh, that you followed when you were growing up?
2: Oh, Yvonne Gallardo, that's one I love watching. Randy Wolf, um, who's another one? Sean Markham I always love watching. Trying to think the other one. Todd Randy, Coffey's another one. I would, Todd Coffey's the one I like watching too.
0: Randy Wolf, former Padre.
2: I, I know. Was how long was he there for?
0: A couple he couple just, years, but the big thing is his brother's an umpire. Is is a major really? league umpire.
1: Yeah. So yeah, G- Jim Wolf. So that. you might be you might be locking eyes with him one day.
2: <laughs> hey, hopefully. Hopefully we hopefully I do.
0: And that guy is cut. Like every time he's behind the dish, all the announcers are like, God dang that guy, he's cut.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's, a, you see the same thing with some NFL, NFL umpires or uh, refs. They're the same way. <laughs> They're all cut too. I'm like, what are these guys taking? <laughs> uh,
1: Ra- Randy Wolf spent about half a season here of, in uh, 2008 in San Diego. And then he yeah. got traded at the deadline to Houston.
2: Okay. Okay. That's why So I don't really remember his, his time there much. I just know in Milwaukee, he was out in, I love it. I love watching Guy R2 when he was a girl I was up, I remember a little bit of Ben Sheets, a little bit here and there. Yeah. But like prime prime time was like, tw- like 2009 to 2011. That was the time I loved watching him. I mean, I'd come home from a game, turn on the Brew game immediately.
0: Yeah.
1: Boy, Ben Sheets, he was so good when he first came out.
2: I oh, know. Yeah. It was it was insane. The guy was unstoppable.
1: He's got the All gold right, medal so- of the U.S. too, yeah? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> i believe so. I, but I don't know.
1: So you were an undrafted free agent. You signed with the Padres. Um, you know, I I got to imagine there's a lot more undrafted free agents now than there were before with the draft limited to 20, 20 rounds. Uh, but what was that whole process like? Did you know that you were being scouted? Were you being talked to by a bunch of teams?
2: Um, I knew there was a couple teams that were, that were talking to me that were interested. I just didn't know if it's going to happen in the draft or not. I know I threw limited innings at New Orleans, so I was kind of – that really didn't help my case, but at the same time, I feel like if I go, go to the, those the, the workouts we went to, I feel like I was going to be in a good spot. And I think I threw pretty well at the cases or the tryouts. And I'm going there, and talking to some of the high, like the higher up guys, talk a little bit. And I think when I went to the Padres one, that was the first one I went to. I kind of just hit it off with some of them. I was sitting there talking to them. I just something just felt right about it.
1: Did you think you had a chance of being selected in the draft?
2: I did. I, I I've for sure, thought maybe in day three I was gonna go, but as time kind of went on, I didn't hear anything, and I was kind of like, kind of just I didn't know if I was gonna go play uh, indie ball or not. I was kind of thinking about that, kind of taking all all thoughts into consideration here. So I didn't really know what was gonna go on. but My agent called me. It's like 20 minutes after the draft, I was sitting there because he texted me, he's like, "Just stay on your phone. Like this could happen the next day or two I was kind of like bummed out of because obviously, yeah, you growing up, you always want to hear your name draft or hear your name right. on TV. So I was kind of sitting there, like, all right, it is what it is. Let's move on. And you kind of use this as feel for the future. And I got to Crazy Ross sitting in Chipotle with my brother and my cousin because we went to go get some food quick. So I was like, all right, well, we, let's go do something, take my mind off this for a little bit. Went there and I literally, kidding, now I'm sitting in the middle of a line. My agent calls me I said, hey, it's got a deal. Um, you want to go with the Padres? I'm like, yeah, let's make this happen. So I up, at that moment in the middle of Chipotle, middle of my order, I got, got the news. I was like, oh, this is sick. I had a call of oh and whatnot, it was, uh, it was really cool. And then my brother was there just to uh, celebrate that moment with me. So it was really good. It was a really that, good moment.
0: Dude, that's so epic. And then, and now you pretty much live on Chipotle, right, as a minor leaguer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a superstition now. I mean, it's that's every time I get it. I just think about that sometimes. It's, it's cool to look back at.
1: Well, But in a sense, it kind of gave you – so being drafted, you don't have a choice of who you're going to go work for. Right. Um but you, you may have been able to, you know, put a couple of offers on the table, uh, you know, and, and choose your path.
2: Yes. I, yes and no. I don't like, I, at that point in time, I just, I wanted to get an opportunity to go play anywhere. I told that to my agent, Like, Hey, I just like, I know I haven't pitched a whole lot. And I think in the near future, if someone can work with me and teach me through some things. Obviously I'm still still learning at times. I still need to control my fastball a little better yet, develop a, more of a secondary pitch for my slider. It was, it was just being in the zone a lot more. So I told him, like, I just need to be worked with and just kind of just get taught some things and get walked through this process and how oh, you guys do things here. So I think I kind of bought into that and kind of just went from there. I kind of feel like after spring training, everything just kind of took off for me.
1: Well, I'd say it's working out pretty well for you so far. Hell yeah.
2: 100%. I couldn't complain. Couldn't not complain.
0: Dude, so then this year you make it out to Lake Elsinore and essentially you were their de facto closer. <laughs> do you like closing? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I told them at the beginning of the year, I'm like, I think they were the plan was me being more back in the games because I was more of a starter when I was playing at uh, Juco in my Lakeland – or, yeah, at Lakeland. I was more of a starter. And then when New Orleans was a reliever, I never the really close games. But once they told me they want me more back in the games, I'm like, yeah, if you guys want to put me in closed games, I would love to. I feel like I kind of just adapt into that role. I just – I love feeding off adrenaline too. I love doing that. It. It's awesome. Like, you grow up there in the ninth inning – You're going to shut the game down. It's nothing. Nothing's like it. I'm telling you. I love it. It's just a good time.
0: So
1: I'm used to seeing the undrafted free agents wind up getting, they get moved around all over the place. It seems like those are the guys that they send out like, Oh, Hey, we need somebody in double A. We need somebody in low A. You know, you never get to unpack your bags, Uh, but you got to pitch some meaningful roles. You got to stick around for a while and move up in a in a, a natural like linear progression um did you have an impression early on that that they had a little bit more faith in you
2: um yeah i kind of feel like when i came in last year like they talked to me quite a bit and they wanted me to develop a lot more and i was i was all for it i was gonna possibly go to lakey uh right when i got drafted but i ended up staying back which i wasn't i was not ashamed of at all i loved it because i feel like i got to just learn more from the actual staff and not higher-ups just teaching them, teach me the way of how they do things. I feel like learning the game a little more, pitching in the backfield, just understanding pro ball was kind of a big thing for me because I know going from college ball, uh, pro ball is a little bit of a change. So I feel like that's kind of good for me just to learn a little more. And then going out to spring training this year and going to Lakeview is probably a lot more beneficial for me.
0: All right. So earlier in the season, you went on the IL at the end of May and you recovered. What what happened there?
2: Uh, it was just a little more of a shoulder issue. It was just, I think it's something that so I don't know, it might have been subscap. I couldn't really tell you exactly, but it was just a little two week. It was down for like two weeks. I kept, started ramping there, doing like a throwing prayer. I shouldn't get back and I figured out what it was. So uh, I'm, I'm all good now, but I haven't had any problems with ever since, thankfully. So that's one thing I'm going to just gonna keep in mind, keep back in my head, just keep uh, not, not uh, just nursing it, but like obviously take care of it and make sure you get done when needs to get done.
1: Yeah, you you pitched a lot, a, a good amount of innings this year, but we hear that from people that like the biggest thing for them to learn is how to take care of their body yeah. so that they stay healthy through a whole season and being able to ring that bell, you know, every time it comes up. Um, is there is there stuff that you've learned as this season's gone by? Are there different exercises, stretches, things like that, or different routines that you've started?
2: Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, I feel like I got more of of a routine for uh, arm care after games, because I know I still did it, but, like, it wouldn't be as fluent as much as I wanted to do it. Because as a reliever, it's kind of tough to know when you're going to throw sometimes because if it, so it's a close game, you're more likely to go in. And they won't, they won't, they're they they not going to have us throw back-to-back games yet because we're not to that level, obviously. So I feel like just kind of having a routine every day, going in and mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Like, yeah, it gets repetitive sometimes, but that's the thing that got you to this point. So why, why change that at this point? That's kind of the way I look at things.
0: In this first year, you also you've only pitched one inning. Like you haven't pitched more than one inning. Is that by design? Or are they just trying to build you up?
2: Um, I think from my, I had a UCL injury in my third year JUCO okay. um, when I was at Lakeland. I had I didn't pitch all the spring, and I, when I came back to New Orleans, they were kind of just letting me go one inning at a time. I, I talked to the, some of the guy the pitching coach and our director. I was kind of talked to them. Like, yeah, we're just gonna have you go one inning this year. I think or towards the end of the year. I was going to go two in my last uh, game in uh, Lake E against Visalia. I think that's what it was. I was going to go two if we needed to go to extras, but we ended up just uh, going nine and we ended up losing that game. But still, if we would have tied the game up, I would have, would have went back out there for the second inning. But I think they're just trying to have me. Once I went to four way, I started throwing three times a week then uh, when I got there. So that was kind of a new experience for me, too.
0: Who, so, who were some roommate? of your
2: roommates
1: and yeah. uh, your different stops along the way?
2: um my roommates i had uh it was in lake e i had thomas balboni will Gertis and uh dylan nedved and then i had a uh, new guy from the draft tyler morgan he was my roommate um along with routson ethan routson and then uh adam And uh Fort wayne i was like when i was there for the month and then double a i was only there for like a week week and a half but i just they gave me my own hotel room and Oh no! I was only there for like three, four days too, because we were on the road for a couple days. <laughs> I think you so, yeah, you, I was, got,
0: you pitched one game, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was one game I got in there. That so I got there that Saturday night, I believe. Yeah, that Saturday night, and then uh, the next day I came in. Skip comes up to me, he's like, "Hey, you good to go, I'm like, Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's get it." So I went. That was one of the playoff of games, Sunday wasn't game. it? No, it was uh, right before the playoff game. It was that last? It was the last uh, regular season game that Sunday against nice. Springfield. Nice. So, yeah, that was, it was kind of nice to get my toes wet, kind of get in the field things at double A. So it was kind of cool just to just get out there and throw.
1: Oh, and then to top it off with the Arizona Fall League. So what's the living situation like there? Do you get your own place, or do they put you with roomies there too?
2: Um, No, we get. I had one other roommate, but we get our own room there. So it was kind of nice. I ended up rooming with uh, Braden Nett there. Oh, there you go. Nice.
1: Familiar face. So,
2: yeah, I know. Yeah, so I uh, roomed with him in spring training. So I was kind of hoping I get to see his face again in the apartment. So he's always a good, uh, good guy to have around.
0: Oh, little bookends to the year. Well, and he'll be a future we have him pegged as a future guest before spring training, so we'll be talking to Braden soon as well.
2: Oh, don't worry, he'll be on here. I, I talked to him about it. I said, You gotta get on there, man. You gotta get on there. <laughs> you,
1: you got any you got any dirt? Any uh any embarrassing right, stories right. you can does share he Snore, is he a pig or what?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I got I got nothing for you. I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well
0: the who does all the cooking then?
2: Uh it was mainly me. Really, and then they they, they, they cook. I I cooked more towards the end because they had food for us at the field, or like after we got done. And then, like, say if I wanted something outside, you usually cook something up or either get some DoorDash or something. But I try to limit myself to DoorDash. You try to make something just a little more healthier.
1: <laughs> you know, times are changing now with the teams having a little bit more budget for food. You know, we we heard some stories in the past about what guys were doing to get by, and it's I'm I'm glad that they're taking a little bit better care of you now than they did in the past.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I've heard other stories too, so. I'm just glad we. I'm just glad I'm with the Padres. I had to get to deal with this. This is, this is pretty, pretty luxurious for me, honestly. Or else I just feel like I talked to other guys in other orgs too, and they said, "Yeah, you, you got it well over here." I'm like, "Yeah, I just I guess I never really realized it before either." So,
1: well, you don't well, know how green the grass is on the other side. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, you know, you nothing came easy to you, Cole. Um, what would you tell the high school players that are you know that that are thinking about trying to go pro or or think they could take it to the next level?
2: Um, for me, I'm going to just say, I'd say just stick to yourself. Honestly, sometimes when going to get hard as me, some highs and lows. There definitely is. not going to be a, it's not going to be a straight road. There's going to be ups and downs. Trust me. Um, I feel like betting on yourself, taking yourself to the next level of things and training, eating, just kind of learning how to just learning how to play the game. Right. And just knowing your ability, just having that confidence level. I think it's a big thing for me. Juke out I have a high a lot of I have a like a high standard for myself. I always just thought like oh I'm an average pitcher or whatnot. Like I feel like I kind of got the mentality stick to me for a little bit. I, I just wasn't in the right mindset for a little bit after I got injured twice, or no, it was once my last year. I feel like that kind of set me down a little bit. But once uh once I got through that, I think that summer was so big for me. Just sticking on the path and kind of staying true to yourself. And just trust in the process. I say this all the time, my buddies, like and just people I know. like, you just gotta trust yourself and trust the process. I'm telling you, if you do, you buy in, a lot of good things will happen to you.
0: Dude, that's epic. Um, okay, so we talked to I talked to your mom a little bit, and she told us about you that you have flat feet and that your ankles crack when you walk without shoes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I've had that my whole entire life. I could not tell you. I do have flat feet, and like every time I walk, like I'll be walking to the locker room, like dude what is that my dude it's my ankles i don't know what's going on it's just it's just what it is
1: so do you have a hard time finding feet finding shoes that give you the right support is it does it give you any uh any issues no that doesn't that doesn't really affect me too much i did more when i was younger but like i think
2: after i grew up and i had like inserts for my feet for a while i had that warm i kind of just i think i grew them but i still have flat feet but it's it's a lot more tolerable now for the most part like especially base- i'm wearing baseball shoes, like cleats all the time and troy wear uh vivos or just especially during bp i try to just ground a little bit it kind of just feels like that helps my feet all, a lot
0: oh that's epic I-, I could just see you going to the you know after you've done pitching you get in the trainer's room they lay down you're like starting to touch your shoulder like nah could you, could you just rub my feet man Then just <laughs> uh, <it's- laughs>
2: No, I can't, can't say I've ever had them do that. No, it's, I'd rather just stick to the show there. It'll be fine. That's fine with me. Uh, that's <laughs> right.
0: not she, creepy uh, at all. Right. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all.
2: Not at all. Especially <laughs> you know, if you know them well enough, it's all right, I guess. But I haven't got to that point, I guess. <laughs>
0: all right. She also told us that you grew two inches uh, when you went off to, I think, when you went off to Juco, is when we came back for, for like Thanksgiving. And people were like, who's this guy? Who? You know, you were totally changed. You grew two inches. You you were a skinny, tall kid. You now you put on some muscle. Um, your mom said she had problems trying to find clothes for you. Um what happened? Oh yeah,
2: it, I don't know. I'm telling you, I think once I just started eating more, I'm telling you, I started eating more. Like I didn't know how to eat at the time. So I was like 155 pounds going to JUCO. I said "There, like, I gotta learn how to eat. And one of my roommates um that's uh lives on mass now. He kind of got me in the, and more in the weight room. And then he kind of taught me the ways of eating. And I mean, I was eating like 4,500 calories a day to that point. I was okay. just stuffing my face with food. So, I mean, that was the only way to do it. So I was like, well, I got to, I got to put weight on one way or another. And every coach I talked to, yeah, man, you just got to, gotta like, you just, the presence isn't there. Like, you just, you just, just got to put weight on and just look good on the mound. Like, the representation of yourself, how you dress on the mound, how you look on the mound, all gets in, uh, puts in consideration, I guess, too. I didn't really know that going into the recruiting process. So, so if you put some muscle on looking in a uniform and you look strong and healthy, then that's just what we're looking for. I mean, I, I'm like, all right, well, I went to JUCO and did that exact thing when I went and came out. Like
0: Absolutely, now you're in pro ball.
2: Two, 220, so I put on a good decent. Damn.
0: Did you see any changes in your velocity of performance?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I want to say after I did that, my – so I was only throwing like 88, I was like 87 and 91, maybe my freshman year. And I came back. So I started lifting a lot more. Uh, once I came back for my second year, I want to say I was up to 93 in the spring. My last outing, I was like maybe up 94, but I was up to 93. Cause I remember I had a couple schools come watch me and I pitched one game. It was like two games in my, for my sophomore year and then like COVID ended up happening. So I ended up just, that's when I said, I kind of just went into training mode. I literally just flipped eight through and I uh, went fishing and I pretty much what I did every single day for that whole entire time of COVID kind of enjoy myself a little bit and kind of just use COVID into my little, just, I think I just used it not the right way. Just it was a little more beneficial
0: for me. Oh, that's excellent, man. So you stay in touch with your high school coach as well. Do you, have you sure got a chance of sharing any information that you've learned uh, in your, in your short stint in pro ball yet?
2: Uh, no, I just talked to him briefly. Um, like when they won the state this past year, I reached out to him. I think I'm, I'm going to see him in the next couple of days here. I'll probably talk some baseball with him and give him some words of wisdom, I guess. But he's probably got more words of wisdom for me, honestly.
1: You know, you talk about your uh, your COVID training routine. I feel like there's a T-shirt in there that's like throw, lift, fish.
2: <laughs> I don't I don't have anything yet. I should make something like that. I should.
1: That's a good philosophy for life right there.
2: I mean, yeah, go, go do your training and enjoy life after that. Do what you got to do.
1: <laughs> so has any of your family had a chance to come uh, watch you pitch as a pro yet?
2: Um, Yeah, Um, it was in uh, Fort Wayne they came because it was kind of far from them to come over from Wisconsin and go to California um, during the season because they had my brothers playing um, summer ball and my other ball, My youngest brother is playing travel ball up in Wisconsin here. So he's tr- constantly traveling around uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, and uh, to Iowa. So they're kind of just focusing on him for the – during the summer and then once the fall came, they came down to Fort Wayne on uh, see me through through a little bit. So it was kind of it was kinda nice to see him and have him come out support me.
1: Now I am trying to think my way through the Midwest League. Uh do you have do you know which team might be closest to your hometown? Lansing, Lansing I think. maybe? Uh, the
2: the Rattlers, Wisconsin Rattlers.
1: Oh, there you go. You didn't get a chance to play out there though. I got your no, game have- here. Your only road games were were at Great Lakes and Dayton. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Correct. Check so, ahead on yeah, head. I got to go there. I was kind of hoping I was looking at the schedule, I was kind of hoping it gets going up to Wisconsin. I'm mean, kind of cool. But maybe maybe in the future maybe if I go four way next year double A so we'll see what happens, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, hey man, we really appreciate you taking the time and uh and coming on. It's been <laughs> it's been a blast, dude. Hey, so we got some quick questions here for you and then we'll get you out here and get you uh continuing on your road home, yeah? Sounds good. All right, so what do you do to escape from playing baseball?
2: Um, Like I said, I usually try to go hang out with some friends. Like, it's kind of hard during the season because usually when we get done at games, Um, it's usually pretty late already. But, like, off days, I will kind of go – either go by the pool, hang out with some guys, or hop on the game a little bit. Um, And then I always, like, when we're on Lakey, try to go to the beach. And then, like I said, uh, too, another thing we like to do on the off days, like at night, we get a group of guys – play some cards and then we go cook some steaks up that was kind of a move for us uh later in the year or like middle of the year that's kind of a move that we started doing with some of the guys on the team (laughs) dude
0: that is pro ball right there we we play cards and grill steaks that's another shirt right there
2: (laughs) (laughs) i guess you could definitely put that one on a shirt
0: do you do you have any superstitions
2: do i um not not top of my head i can't think of i kind of just go into every game Kinda of thinking the same thing. I don't really try to. I don't really have to have much superstition, to be honest with you.
0: All right. I actually know. Right. I
2: will say. I will say. And uh, every time I I went out and pitched, I wore the same like uh pair of uh, like spandex every time. Not like just tights or like like underwear type stuff. I wear that every single time. Go. I wear one exact pair every time I went out and go close or go pitch. <laughs> but you, you would know, watch, watch them day. in
1: between, right? Yeah, right. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of right. course. Terrence knock, does that stuff. Right.
2: 30. Yeah, I'm not gonna keep them dirty. I just, I can't do that. I, so, I, I saw some stuff about Patrick Mahomes doing that same stuff, but he wouldn't wash it,
1: though.
2: I don't know about all that. That's too. That's a little too far. That's a little too far for me.
0: I can just, I can just see Coach said, "Hey, Cole, we, hey, we just love you, man. You, you, you're great. You got a great future. You gotta go to the laundromat, man. You just." Go. <laughs> okay, no,
2: I, I like that. I'll make sure I get that clean, 100.
0: Okay, here you go. Can you name the current Major League Baseball manager that was a University of New Orleans alumni?
2: Uh, that's you talking about the manager at New Orleans right now? No, the, the no, a- no, no. There's a there's a
1: former player that played at University of New Orleans. He's now a manager in the majors.
2: Oh, uh, is it Snicker?
0: Yes, yes. Nope, very I good. Exactly. I
2: know.
1: Come on now, I know that, dude. That's ep-
0: that's so epic. Do you? Uh, you got to go a... all
1: the way back to the '70s. He played. he yeah, played College they, he, ball in the '70s. He was a big
2: name around uh, New Orleans. They they brought up his name quite a bit because I remember they congratulated him on the World Series when they won it when I was there. So that was cool. that was kind of cool to see that.
0: Do you have a celebrity crush?
2: Uh celebrity crush. I guess. Uh, I'd say, Lemmy Dunn, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it's a hot answer or not, but <laughs> Lemmy done? Yes, you go, Lemmy I guess, yeah.
1: All right, all right, all right, all right. So, what was your what was your comfort food growing up?
2: Comfort food growing up. Honestly, I love pizza. I love just eating some pizza, chowing down some pizza. That was a big thing for me. So, I should cheese up in Wisconsin that was big.
1: Was so, there was there I a think? local spot up there, or were you like a Little Caesars <laughs> kind of guy?
2: Um, no, Papa John's type guy actually.
1: Papa John's. Oh, there you go.
2: Papa John's. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I did that. stuck with me every time. Every time we got these it. It usually on Super Bowl time. I know. Me and my family, we'd have a bunch of people over and watch the game. And Papa John's is always the go-to pizza. I would just always be smacking that. It was really good.
1: So, did you, a, really uh, good. Did, did you have a did you have a go-to uh, place in in California? Not necessarily for for pizza, but was there a place you always went for food?
2: Um, no, I kind of explore. I like to explore other places. I never really had like a favorite, I guess you could say. But like, I explored a explore different bunch of places out there. There's always a lot of good places to eat. Just kind of going to San Diego and experimenting. It's like a lot of the food lot pretty different out West compared to what it is in Wisconsin. So yeah. it's kind of just thankful to get out there and try try new things.
1: Okay, you got good. a Culver's in your town back there?
2: Uh, uh, it's not in my town because I have a pretty small town. Um, It's like 2,500 people. So if I have to go to like Green Bay and go get Culver's, but yes, there's a Culver's out here. Plenty of them. Plenty of them.
1: All right. So here's a big question. Culver's or in and out Ooh,
2: put in a spot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say stick at the whole t- hometown. Uh, uh I'm gonna say Culvers.
1: Uh, I've never had Culvers, so I, 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 mean, I gotta the, respect that.
2: The cheese curds are immaculate out here. I'm telling you, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing better than some Culvers cheese curds and some uh, cement mixers. I'm pretty sure. Or, is that yeah, their, is that their is. milkshake
1: or is it like a lizard kind of a thing? cream
2: mixers, cement mixers. Yeah, it's like their ice cream slash milkshake. I haven't had it in a while. It's been a while since I had it, but I know I've, I've had cheese curds from there recently though.
0: Cement mixer it, it is not a, a, just a uh, hanging slider.
2: <laughs> pretty much, honestly, it, it's there. It, okay, begging you to hit it. But.
0: <laughs> the uh, the one person you would want to meet, living or dead?
2: Oh, this is this is already, this is too easy because uh, a lot of my friends know this. I, I would. i had to be Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers. All right. All I right. love. I love. I'm a big Packers fan. I love Aaron Rodgers. Growing up, I watched him my my whole entire life ready. Cause that's pretty much the only guy I've got to watch since he's been uh, a Packer when he was a Packers uh, player for uh, the quarterback for us. But uh, I have to say Aaron rodgers That was the guy, my brother, I kind of jealous, My brother got to meet him when he was younger. So I was kind of jealous about that.
0: The torch has been passed. Cause I would think it'd be a Brett Favre.
2: I know. I, I would have thought the same thing, but All right. All I, I don't right. know. Just something about it. Something about it. Just Aaron Rodgers. I want to, I want to go meet the guy once. That'd be kind of cool. All
0: right. So you're stranded on an Island with food, water, and shelter. What three things would you want?
2: Mm, I'm gonna have to say, uh, I'm gonna say my five. Can I have that? Uh, what else?
0: You, you you cut out there. Say it again.
2: I'm gonna say my PlayStation Five. I'd go with that. Nice. I, I love I love always getting on that. It's always a good time.
1: Well, then you um, need a you need an electric generator or something.
2: Right. <laughs> You're right. Sorry, I'm mean, gonna have to get a generator. The TV, I guess. I mean, there's there's three things right there. Oh, I,
0: I guess so. So, what do you play on your PS5?
2: Uh, right now, it's been COD. It's been Call of Duty a little bit right now, a little bit of Fortnite since uh, there's been stuff coming back. So, I've kind of bounced between, between them two games.
1: You know, you that's play- a good way to keep in touch with people, you know, on the other side of the country or, you know, whatever. No,
2: exactly. 100%. I keep my touch with my buddies back home all the time, guys I play with in the past. It's just an easy way to do it. You can talk with them in the mic and catch up. So, it's kind of nice.
0: All right. Who stars in the movie of your life?
2: Oh, geez, I'm not a big movie guy, but uh, movies of my life?
0: Yeah, who's who's? what's the actor that'd play you?
2: I don't even know, to be honest. <laughs> I'd say, oh, jeez, I don't know. got to put me in the spot here.
0: All right, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, all, that's
2: okay, that's okay.
1: You don't have to have an answer for everything. Uh, so if you can have a pet that's not a cat or a dog, what would it be? Ooh,
2: cat or dog. Uh, I wonder how many people said snake. I'm not a big snake guy to begin with. I feel like a, like a guinea pig. I feel like I can take care of a guinea pig or a goldfish, honestly.
1: <laughs> you, you want a low-maintenance pet.
2: <laughs> yeah, low-maintenance like I'm always knocking me home all the time, so that's the only thing. I feel like goldfish, sprinkle some food in there in the morning for the guy, come back from the field, sprinkle back in there. Here we go. That's,
1: oh, that's very true. considerate of you.
2: <laughs> 100%. 100%. Maybe throw some other decorations in there for him.
1: Who knows <laughs> all right well thanks for taking the time to talk to us this has been a lot of fun really appreciate getting getting together with you here
2: yeah i appreciate you guys having me on